I hear you're not a massive fan of JavaScript. <laughs> it's not one of my favorite languages, no. <laughs> so are you going to carry on learning it? I mean, you ha- and, and how much have you been learning it so far? Uh, I have learnt the probably the basics of it. I did the free code camp bits of it and then kind of just used it to come up with some bits on my website and that was about it. And so you've done it kind of mostly in a browser kind of environment or have you tried Node or something like that? I tried Node. There's a thing called Learn You Node and I went through all of those and it was okay. I just never got hooked on it the same way I did with Python. So you don't think that JavaScript then is going to become your second language after Python? Well, (laughs) if it's not JavaScript, it's going to be nothing at the moment because I don't really know what to do (laughs) for a second language but i know that javascript is really useful and used everywhere so i would really like to learn it but maybe i just haven't come across the right thing to learn it but i nothing's hooked me yet i think we're i think we're setting up a nice through line here because i think later on i think looking at the looking ahead in the show notes there i think i might have a relevant piece of input for this topic for now well let's get to the question shall we which i guess this week can be when should you change to your second language? Maybe it should be, should you change to a second language? <laughs> or is that a definite, yes, you should? Well, yeah, that's getting right into it, isn't it? Um, time for the do-do. I would say that we talk a lot about things that the answer is, it depends. I think you definitely need to know more than one language. I think you don't necessarily need to know it inside out, but you need to have a, you need to not just be a one-trick pony if you're going to be hired. I think. Okay, so I feel like I know some JavaScript. I figured out how to get some Ajax working on my site with your help, thankfully. But I mean, I can read it and I understand it and probably can write a very simple bit of JavaScript. Is that enough? Um, it could well be. You might find that it is. I think to learn properly and to get sort of be a well-rounded programmer and be good at doing lots of things, you should have tried all sorts of different languages and you should be fluent in at least to at least a couple and most, mostly because in a real-world environment, you're never just using one language, even if it's Bash or something under the hood to to get your stuff to work or to get your deployment scripts running. You need to at least be familiar with like different paradigms other than the one that you first learned. I think you're saying familiar and fluent in the same kind of context. So what does being fluent in a language mean? You could write an application in it, I guess. Like you would be comfortable adding a new feature to an existing application in a language. Like you went in, you started a new job, and they were like, here's this PHP application that we've got running on this server. Can you add this extra thing to it? Can you add this Maps API and put a map on the page for this website um, in this language? Can you go in, do you, if you feel comfortable enough to just go, like, yeah, I can work that out and get in and get mucking around, then I'd call that fluent. Yeah, there's lots of scenarios in which you don't necessarily have to kind of get elbows deep into an entire application. Sometimes you just need to run a make file or or add a new thing to a build script or just push something up. There's lots of instances where you need to be aware of the, ba- the very basic paradigms just to get your job done. And when you say paradigms, you mean maybe the concepts behind the language? Or is there are there concepts that kind of that cross the different language barriers? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like the idea of loops, for instance, or like mapping over something and reducing something, they're concepts that sort of transfer. I mean, often they have different names. Like, a, So I would what I would think of as an array is a dictionary in Python, maybe? I don't know. No, a list will be an array, and a dictionary will be an object. Oh, okay. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, to be aware, the the general idea of data types um, and knowing roughly like 
to recognize them and to like oh that is an object and that is useful for something yeah is good and to know maybe the difference between like what a class is like so when you see methods and classes passed around and used so the difference between a function and a class for example you can be able to tell mm-hmm. the difference when yeah, you look yeah yeah basically knowing what a function is and how to call it is is useful i think that's familiar familiarity so i vaguely know what i need what i'm aiming for even though it's not particularly definite but i need to be able to under be able to look at the language and write a class and a function and a list and a or an object of some type in it uh, to be comfortable in it and i need to be able to feel like if you said to me now go and create a website that um does something or other then i could go and do it in that language or so mm. i i could say i could write that in python with a, with a python backend or with a javascript node backend that would be the state i'd want to be in yeah i think that that is fluency in two different languages i'd say if you are able to do that if yeah. i say make this crud app for me and that you could you could do crud in two different languages that's that's a good level and for those of us who don't know what that is what is a crud app uh create read update delete i think so it's anywhere where you've you've got like a user like someone can log in and store information about themselves and then they can change that so that's something i've been working on recently when i've instead of learning javascript i've actually gone and learnt something called django which is a bit like flask it's a web framework and that's kind of been that's been quite hard to grasp as well um because it feels it's a whole new set of things that i need to learn and i guess is that if i is it better to know lots of frameworks in one language or would it be better to know two different languages? Oh, that's a that's a tough one. I think um, I've got lots of questions about Django as well, so we'll come back. We'll circle around to that again. But I think it is a, there is a crucial distinction between a language and a framework. I mean, a lot of people came up in the JavaScript world, for instance, just they just knew jQuery, and often that can be a good introduction to a, a language or an area. But quite often, I think that kind of stymies progress. Uh, it's going to be more constricting than it is like enabling. I think particularly I mean, using jQuery as an example it's been great and has been a, a, a well loved and useful friend over the years but there's no real need for it anymore um, so people who just come up using jQuery are now finding they're sort of switching to different frameworks or libraries and they're seeing like oh, yeah. yeah, it's not as easy as that whereas the people who just like learnt JavaScript first or learnt different libraries or frameworks that were more kind of in keeping with the patterns of vanilla JavaScript find that easier hmm. but that could happen with something say react in five ten years five ten years time oh absolutely react be might become the new jquery and no one's using it anymore so yeah. if you've just focused on one mm-hmm. framework you're not going to be able to pick up something new yeah and that's a theme that we come back to again and again is that yeah if you learn the fundamentals of the language you can you're much better prepared i mean the, i think the, the broader picture for all of this like talking about branching out to different languages is how comfortable you feel approaching new things and picking up new stuff and if you're like constrained in any way that's going to limit your opportunities and your just level of comfort generally speaking so like frameworks are an interesting choice because they're often very opinionated and very narrow and there's often quite there's not very many things that transfer from framework to framework so i imagine if i open up django and start looking at it it's going to take me a long time to like work out what's going on because a i don't know python and b i don't know django and then i think a framework reaches the point where it's different enough from the base language that it's written in to be its whole different thing but then on the flip side of that is the more specific and the more niche you get the more appetizing the jobs get almost it's like oh you've got this niche skill set so there's fewer people know it so you're more in demand 
for those people that do the people that there may be fewer people that need it but those ones that do need it really badly so circling back to learning two languages mm-hmm. it's probably a good idea to kind of master one language know all the nitty-gritty details about it so like that that's what i feel like i've started doing in python there's mm. like random things that if you just knew basic python you could do something but then I now know that you could do it in a better way or a more efficient way or a cleaner way to read. Whereas in JavaScript, I could probably bash something together and it would work, but I wouldn't know to use the correct function. I wouldn't know about that many different Mm -hmm. things around the language that I could use. Yeah, definitely in the short term, knowing one thing well is much more, makes you much more employable. You have a specific skill, people need someone to do a specific thing. You're much, it's going to be a much smoother fit. Um, I've, been hired in the past just because i knew one specific api you know it wasn't even a language it was just i have worked with this system before clients have this system they need someone to do it come we'll give you money to do that um, and that works really nicely but it's not a long-term strategy i think it's not yeah definitely i think really what it is it's you, you don't need to know two languages you need to have experience of learning more than one language so that then when you come to something new you, or when the industry shifts and the sands on which the jobs are balancing move, you can then pivot to the new area. And because the skills that you've learned, it's not how to instantiate a list in Python. What you've learned is the concept of there being information in a row and that that's how you deal, you use that to deal with things and like that steers your logical thinking and your problem solving. Just to what you said earlier about being un, uh, you were talking about comfort mm-hmm. and learning a new language is going to be uncomfortable, isn't it? If you've you finally you've taken a year and you've learned one language and then you're trying to go, it's kind of like back to the beginning in a way of trying to learn something completely fresh. Well, I know it's not completely fresh, but the syntax is all new and you feel like you're mm-hmm. back to square one. And maybe that's kind of what I was feeling when I was going to JavaScript. It was just something I was uncomfortable with. And I've had the same sort of thing happen recently because I've just picked up Django in the last week. And the first time I went through like the beginning tutorial, I didn't have a clue. I was like, I didn't like, don't like this. But I just I stuck it through, got to the end of the tutorial. And now the more I'm reading about it, the more videos I'm watching about it, you kind of you get your head around what the fundamentals of Django or what the fundamentals of whatever you are learning are. So there's going to be a really uncomfortable stage at the beginning where you feel completely out of your depth. You don't know it, but it's fighting through that discomfort to get to a stage where you feel a bit more comfortable. Yeah, and I, and I, what I would definitely recommend is that you now try a third or fourth thing as well. <laughs> so that yeah, it's always the second I think is maybe the hardest because you've learned very very specific things to get your first language up together and you don't have at that stage you've got no point of reference to know what is specific to the language you're learning and what is a general concept it's not until you experience that in two or three or four different areas that you begin to recognize oh this the syntax is different the curly braces are in a different place or don't exist at all but the concept is the same there's a familiarity that makes picking up new things easier so now when you get thrown in so if you get thrown to you start a new job and you get thrown on the go team and you have to learn some go you'll be in a much better position but i've heard that go is a uh, not the same sort of language as python or javascript <laughs> i've heard this from some very helpful people on reddit uh, do i detect a note of sarcasm there a little bit a little bit yeah i mean feeling slightly I... jaded from your social media experience yes it was the first time i used reddit i went on to um uh, learn programmers i think i'll look it up later i'll put it in the show notes yeah i was i went on there and i posted this question actually so i said second language question mark 
um, and then I described, I kind of talked about JavaScript a bit. I talked about Go and, and then I talked about just maybe I should just stick with Python and get really good at that. And the only, well, I got a couple of comments, but the first comment I got was about Go. I didn't know what I was talking about. So I just, I think I said Go is a functional language. And then this person just kindly told me out of all of this, they picked out on this one bit and said, Go is not a functional programming language. Haskell is a functional programming language. And that was all they said. They didn't give me any advice mm. whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And that kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. Wow. Welcome to the internet. Welcome to the world <laughs> of developers. Um, what I would, I, I can understand why you might get a bit of backlash from that kind of question, though. I mean, it sounds like you did put it in context, but there is a big trend of people just going, right, I've learned this. What do I learn next? You tell me and not putting the right level of thought into it before just asking someone else. They're just trying to follow blindly on a path that they think everyone else has done and they can just follow the steps and then they will be a 10x developer and be earning Silicon Valley salaries straight away, which is not how the real world works. And I think Hmm. people who have programmed for a long time get a little bit frustrated because those questions come up a a lot. I mean, if you're the sort of person that hangs around on Stack Overflow, you're probably likely to get angry about it. (laughs) Um, But most people... uh, I, I would hope, certainly in my experience, when I've asked these kind of questions in the past, just are a bit more gentle about it. But yeah, my question, I did explain the situation I was in. I gave my options. Mm. I showed that I thought about it. I've got those bullet points in there for each of the languages with like pros and cons of why I should choose them or not choose them. So I kind of, I didn't just say, I want to learn, I've learned some Python, I want to learn a second language. I did put some detail in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. The biggest bit of advice that you're likely to hear and I don't know if we could, you know, we're not a sound effects podcast, but if we were, we'd put in the clip of from Shop Talk Show of an entire room of people saying, "Just build websites," because that's like the Shop Talk like mantra. I can put it in it's, if you like, Tom. <laughs> oh, no, I don't, I don't think that's a one day you'll crack. It's the one day you'll the, crack. Thin end of the wedge, I think. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you can put it in, maybe. I don't know. It is good. It's a good clip because that was their mantra for ages, and then they went to a conference and did a live show and got everyone to record it. Um, Just. But the the whole gist behind that is you learn by doing. You're not going to get ahead by just follow, blindly following some steps or a tutorial. You just have a real-world problem, and then the things that crop up in that, you're going to need to fix. So try and make a CRUD app, and then, like, uh, where does this information go? Uh, then you need to learn about databases. And it kind of steers your thinking that way around, particularly with like if you're trying to look, you're looking at something that exists and trying to replicate it. Like, oh, I really like how that little... A form there, the interaction on there, and the validation on that is really good. Um, and then suddenly, there's a whole raft of things you need to learn. You need to know, like, what is a web form? How do they work? What what are actions? Where where is it going to send you? How do you then validate? Do you validate server side? Do you validate in the client? There's all sorts of different things that come up from simple real world scenarios that you get yourself in all the time. My roadblock there is coming up with the idea for the project and not just thinking. I mean, it feels almost i know it's to learn and it's a learning situation but it almost feels like a waste of time to just say i'm gonna copy this thing exactly and try and work out how it works and i mean i know that's a fantastic way to learn something but it kind of feels like i want to build something that's mine and that can that can i i think that can be a roadblock for people when they're trying to do these things is what do i build Mm. i mean i've got I've got so much. Tr- I could build anything. Yeah, it's the curse what, of what do the, I build? <laughs> the curse, the curse of a blank piece yeah. of paper, isn't it? It's the perennial thing. Like, oh, where do we even start? I mean, for you, you have a website. Look at other websites that people have, and think, look at features that you think are nice. Be that a little animation in the corner, and you think, oh, I should put an animation on mine. That's broad enough that you then go into a world of CSS animation, which you'll learn a lot from. 
but it won't um, you're not going to be blindly copying something else or even like to come back to the concept of forms or or comments or something there's loads of instances where someone needs to submit something a form is one of the fundamental building blocks of all websites really there's hardly any that don't have them and just because they've been done before doesn't mean you're copying something or just doing it for the sake of learning it there's it's the same as learning how to set a variable almost it's <laughs> you're going to need to know know how to do it you may as well learn now i've come across this actually learning as i'm as i've been learning django and i now want to go back and rebuild one of my sites because it'll probably take me about a quarter of the time than it did because <laughs> i did i had a i've got a site where you can register and you log in and it's got data it's got a database for users and things but i spent ages like writing all the different methods for logging in logging out registering a user saving everything to the database and in django there's just kind of it's already built in and you just basically say <laughs> um define login like a couple of lines of code and it does it all for you so i was um I guess it's a good way to go from Flask to Django because I've now I've done the hard bit I guess of doing it myself and now I can see the benefits of having this really everything included framework. So I feel like I'm going to go back and maybe re I want to recreate my own website <laughs> and now I can see ways that I can make it better because I kind of I've got the I've got a couple of projects and they've got to a point where the next step feels too big to make a change to it. I feel like it's going to take a very long time to add anything to it and I know I should just go and add to them but i want to have like a third thing as well to add but mm -hmm. maybe if i go back and recreate them with my new knowledge then they'll um be more successful yeah. there's a couple of bits there that are interesting one is going back and refactoring stuff that you've done and making it better that's a great way to like reinforce knowledge and to you you then get a real sense of, of progress by looking at <laughs> looking at what you've done and looking at the rubbish a, I've written yeah, before <laughs> feeling ashamed from looking at it and then also it sounds like you're, you're tackling problems as they crop up rather than forcing yourself to like find things to do just for the sake of doing it so it sounds like you're, you're on exactly the right path and from what you're saying about Django it's yeah, maybe give have a look at Ruby perhaps maybe spend an afternoon like learn the syntax of of Ruby, and then have a look at how Rails compares to that, um, which is a, a Rail Ruby on Rails is a, another framework. But I get worried that I'm going to start spreading too thin. If that makes sense, do you think? Do you think it's worth? Do you think it's worth just an afternoon on looking at a different language, just having a fiddle around? Oh yeah, it's always worth just having a fiddle around. Hello world, in as much as you can. Yeah. Um, I don't know if the non-technical listeners, because presuming there, there may be a couple out there. Um, Hello world is the first string you print onto a screen. It's like the basics of. Like a new programming environment is how do, how what's the what is the way that you print the words hello world onto the screen? It's practically what every tutorial starts with, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's the first step, and then even sometimes even that is enough to give you an, just a sense of you get a flavour of how it all puts together, what the build steps are like, like where you how to go from characters in a text file to working application in the most simple form that you possibly can imagine, and you can generally do them in a few minutes. For most for most scenarios, and then you have a little bit of context as to where things are coming from. Maybe I should just list all the languages and one afternoon I just sit <laughs> take each language in turn and write "Hello World" in it. That'd be a good. Uh, There's probably people do that. Hello World yeah. in every language. <laughs> well, that's the that's the genesis of to do MVC, which we've mentioned before as well. Ah, yes, and, yeah, I remember. It's seeing the same thing done in different contexts. So tell me about Django then. I don't I don't really know anything about it. Django is a web framework. But unlike Flask is a micro framework, so it's kind of just one app 
and you build it all yourself whereas Django is kind of everything separated from each other so in Flask I'd have the roots the views the models they'd all be kind of connected to each other and you couldn't just split them apart whereas in Django they're all kind of in their separate places so your website is full of these different apps so there's like an admin app so there's an admin screen and features already built in so you can just log in already so there's an admin app for then you build your app so the tutorial on the Django website's a polls app so you create some questions and then you vote on them um, so then you've got that one separately and then but what you could do is if you're building another website and you needed a polls part of it you could take that one out and you could just plug it in to the other one so it's all kind of it's kind of disconnected is the feeling mm. i'm getting from i mean i've only been learning it for four or five days but as i've been hearing more about it it's kind of it's the disconnected nature of it and being able to pick and choose the bits you want unplug it's basically like unplugging a patch bay or a like a pedal for if you're playing electric guitar and plugging in another pedal to make a different sound in terms of being able to create a website so mm. i've very modular Modular, yes. And it, and this is all written in Python? Yes. So it's all Python and HTML for the templates. And there's it's there's the templating language is built by Django, but is very similar to um, Ginger, which is used with Flask. So it's it's very easy to pick up if you've used those sorts of things before. Is it like mustache or handlebars or something, isn't it? Yeah. I, th- I think they've got their own one. Well, does it have a name as well? I've never seen a name for it. It's just the Django templating language for 90 five percent of things it seems to be exactly the same as ginger (laughs) so it's the same syntax and everything Mm -hmm. so have you come so the one thing i know about django is that uh wagtail the cms is built on django and everyone who's used wagtail loves it apparently they they seem to be wagtail fanboys all over i've never heard someone say anything bad about it um is that something you've come across nope but i have now i'll (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that's like i suppose this is an example of the layers of depth that you can get to so there's the actual the pure language which is python and then there's a framework on top of that which is django which is adding sort of more specificity and i suppose like more kind of standard library things i guess little bits that you can use here and there and then on top of that wagtail comes along as a, an even more opinionated we have a set way of doing these things and this makes your life easier um and at all levels of that i guess there will be people who are hired to just do that specific thing so there will be people who are hired to do random python people who are hired to do django and yeah, if a lot probably a lot of agencies are running Wagtail projects, and they need people who know Wagtail to come along and work on them. So, CMS content management system is that just is it kind of like WordPress or something? Exactly. Yeah, WordPress is the canonical CMS. Um, it's the most popular one, um, and that is built in PHP. So, all the stuff that you're doing, you could dig down into the file structure, and at some point, you will find raw PHP that is put together in a way that we can build the CMS. Well, generally, these things come from open source environments. There's lots of lot, not ever just one single creator. But what the people who've made it have done is put together a series of functions and little sort of constructions that you can then use, like you were saying about in Django. These things that are built on the original language, you can put them together. Um, so, a content management system is just an iteration of that. It, a content management system is somewhere that has logging in, storing information, logging out, kind of built in. So, I guess it's similar with the admin interface in django it's already pre-built and then from there you can edit your you can add kind of data to your databases Hmm. (laughs) um, and things like that so is is wagtail something you would use as a developer or is that more is it for companies that want to run their own websites oh no yeah it's something you'd use as a web as a as a developer so i mean i'll come back to wordpress because that's what my my background was in yeah my my first experience of php was just customizing wordpress sites 
Um, and then eventually that got onto building custom themes and like very bespoke builds using WordPress as a as a background for that. So I start, like my first experience of PHP was I didn't know what was PHP and I didn't know what was WordPress. So I came up very much within the framework of WordPress has ways to do things. I think it's one of the reasons I still I don't really know what the how databases work. I don't know how, how to select all from a MySQL thing. I, I, but do you know how to use an ORM? <laughs> Hardly, I guess. No, uh, no, not well, that really. That makes I, it easy to use a database, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, but you, uh, yeah. You, I just I know that in a WordPress context, when I was first doing things, I knew that WordPress had a kind of oh, store this information, get meta field thing, get custom meta or whatever it is. I forget the syntax now, but there are ways to do it that are built within the language that are wrappers around what's happening on, under the hood. Um, and I never learned the under the hood way. I just used the wrapper. And there's a lot of people that did similar and have very good careers on it. I did very well out of just knowing WordPress for a few years. Yeah. I think as you progress, you, I like to think that any sort of smart developer will grow beyond it and outgrow things like that. And, and I got rid of, I got, got away from PHP as soon as I could, really. Um, <laughs> and is, there's Drupal as well, isn't there? Yeah, that's another one. Uh, uh, I've heard, I listened to a pod, the, the Changelog podcast where someone was on from Drupal and it sounded like all they did for their whole career was just create Drupal websites and they were doing very well off it. Yep, yep. <laughs> so that, that, that was the first first three years of my career as a yeah. programmer was just doing WordPress websites. So I guess I'm coming at it from the other direction, whereas you yeah. came kind mm. of WordPress down into the language. I've come from the language and maybe, I don't know, moving into coming up from it from knowing the language instead of knowing the... Which is exactly the right way to do it, I think. I mean, that's how I've done it with JavaScript and all the different JavaScript frameworks. Just learnt JavaScript first, got good at that, and then it makes life much easier. And I wish I'd, like, if I'd cared about PHP enough to want to learn PHP properly, that's what I would have done. Okay, so I can, I, I feel confident again. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> but I'm going to definitely take a look at Wagtail. That looks interesting. I can already see them using Django in it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's... It, it, Presumably it says Django on the homepage somewhere. The way they set it up is the same commands, basically. I can tell already what's the difference between the Python and the Django and the Wagtail. That's a much stronger position than a lot of people are in. All these yeah. weird words. <laughs> oh, dude, you don't... Just you wait. I mean, we were grunting our gulps and our guzzles when we were doing PHP stuff. It's like, oh, the, the, word, the wording gets very weird very quickly. <laughs> I think because all the good domain names have been taken, <laughs> there's only so many things people can come up with anymore. Yeah. I guess you just changed mm. the, uh, what's the .com, .io. Uh, oh, well, uh, have you got your .dev yet? I wonder where we are recording this right at the tipping point of dev domains. Because last week they were £300 to pre-register a .dev domain. And I think as of tomorrow, possibly, or maybe the end of the month, they become £10. <laughs> So they've just been around long enough now that everyone's calmed down a bit. Well, I think Google bought the .dev thing ages ago, which was really, really annoying. My, the one I'm after is now £106 plus £10 a year. And I think after like tomorrow or something, it's going to get much cheaper. Yeah, Google bought the .dev TLD, um, which has annoyed everyone because, I mean, it certainly annoyed me because I use .dev as my local host <laughs> like proxy for everything. So I'd have clientswebsite.com would be the live version and then clientswebsite.dev would be the version that ran on my machine that was closed off to the world. Okay. Yeah. Um, Google bought the .dev. .dev wasn't a thing. That's why we used it. 
Oh, right. used it for product development. So now it is actually a real thing. Google bought it and own it, and now it's websites. So you can go and buy .dev domains. Um, and then over the last few, uh, like the last week or two, like they've just been on pre-release, and they've been really expensive. And every day or every five days or whatever, they lower the price to get as much money as they can for the big names. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> yeah. But then also, it's democratized or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So by, I suppose by the time this episode goes out, we'll know whether we've got the domains or not. <laughs> So my yeah, my question for you now that you've got into Django a little bit and you're sort of starting to get excited about the possibilities is is how much how far are you gonna go and are you going do you feel like you need to switch to something that's not Python related? Or not necessarily switch to, but like learn something deeply that's not Python related. I don't know. Django seems to be more popular uh, job wise than Flask and Hopefully. I mean, I'm doing all this to get a job, hopefully, at some point. Mm-hmm. So I just think having that as well, I think I'm going to carry on with Django because I'm actually quite enjoying it. But what I am doing at the moment is the um, there's another CS50 course. It's an offshoot from it. <laughs> of It's a web development one. So they take you through Flask, SQL, and Django in this case. And then they talk about like best security practices as a lecture on and scalability is another one. So I'm, I think, even though I know you should just build websites, I think I'm going to go through this tutorial. And it does talk about JavaScript. It does talk about HTML and CSS. But I think it would be, I'm going to do this tutorial. I'm going to try and get through this course because it's just six, I think it's just six or seven weeks. And then I'm going to start using extra skills I've built because when I'd finished the first CS50, that was when I started building my own things. I kind of like, I've got this knowledge now. Great. I'm going to use it. And I feel like I've maybe stagnated a bit in terms of learning new stuff that I can actually implement. I mean, I've spent lots of time reading articles and looking at different things, but they're not things that I can immediately take away and just say, I can actually use this right now to build something. Whereas when you're walking through the one, you're actually building stuff as you go. And then you can take it and edit it and chop out the bits you don't want and add in some other bits that you've learned from somewhere else. And then you can actually build something that with with some work, but with not too much work, you've got a kind of a you've got a base you can be confident with because you know that a professional has has done it that way. So you know that you're not just messing everything up entirely. And that's one thing I've been worried about lately is for so for example with Flask, I knew I knew how to build things, but I didn't know if that was the correct way to do it and correct in inverted commas because I wasn't sure that when I get into a job or something like that, I'm going to have completely horrible, well, I probably will anyway, but I would like to be as close as possible to having kind of the correct way of doing things and things like scalability and things like security and not just messing around on my computer as a hobby. I'm, I want to do this professionally. So I want to be able to make sure I'm doing it the right way. And particularly those two, security and scalability, you don't need to know a specific thing about each of them, but to have experience and to have experimented and be aware of the concepts and to know that they are concerns that are important. And maybe in even if it even if what you've learned is in a Django environment, you've learned how to scale a Django site or you've learned how to lock down a Django site, a lot of those concepts are going to be cross-transferable and that's going to make you more attractive to potential employers because you're coming to it you're not just a code monkey that has like i know how the language works so you tell me what to do and i can type that i can type up what you dictate you have an awareness of what you're building towards and what the bigger bigger picture concepts are yeah and that's something i've been struggling with as well in terms of databases i know the data i want but how do i relate my databases to each other it's the knowing where to start approaching these problems as opposed to just knowing 
how to do something if someone tells you to do it. Yeah, and I think it, uh, the parallel for the front-enders, I think maybe might be like browser quirks, I guess. You can learn the spec. You can read, you can read the, the very definition of what CSS is, and you can be really good at that. But until you've built a real-world site and had to experience how those different things break obtusely in different environments, and, and then knowing the steps to go along to kind of mitigate that and how to compensate for that, that's a valuable skill. Um, and that only comes from that extra level of work, like you're doing stuff in a, an environment that's not just in the isolation of a coding experiment. What would you suggest I do next then? Um, well, after Django, or as well as. Or, or maybe as well as, or after. Do you think my my plan is a good one? Yeah, it sounds, I think it sounds like you're on a good trajectory. You seem excited about Django, and that's within an environment that you're already familiar with so you've got a base of knowledge that you can actually, the things that you could do are going to be more advanced than if you started from scratch in a different language I think it sounds like a great idea um, I think build something specific I mean quite often it's really useful to I mean take some of the things you've learned you're learning and put them into the context of something you've built before um, it's often useful to take like abstract the bits that you're really learning from a tutorial and use that in a different just change something slightly just change the platform that you're working on or the or the Date, the structure of the data that you're piping through something change something small but that is at a, a low enough level that it fundamentally changes how the thing that you've learned has to be implemented and then see if you can make those changes yeah often it's as simple as yeah just changing the information that you're putting in if you're if you're making a website and showing some stuff on the screen change the context and say oh i want to put an extra page here and i want to have some extra stuff hmm. so i did so i actually did something similar with django when i did the so i went through the tutorial once and i did it as it was written on the page and then i went back again i renamed everything and instead of having like a polls app i, I called it a chat app so it was then instead of having questions you had users and then you had their messages instead and even that caused so many errors when <laughs> yeah. i was doing it just from changing like you say just changing the data that's going into it i found that i actually kind of understood what was happening a lot more because i could see how things were related to each other and i could see oh actually that word there is actually nothing to do with what i thought it was that's part of it's part of django it's part of the app i shouldn't change that word or i should change that word it pointed out to me the way that the program actually worked as opposed to just following a tutorial and not knowing which bits, like you say, which bits are Python, which bits are Django, which bits are the information that they've put in for this specific tutorial. That's exactly what I'm talking about. That's what I would recommend to anyone to do. And I'm glad that you've come to that on your own and had the same experience because it is that doing the same thing, but in just a slightly different context that throws up all the weird, all the crazy stuff that makes being a developer being a developer like it's how it, it's not so much knowing how to follow some steps to make a thing it's knowing how to like interpret what has gone on when the screen is just baffed at you because you've changed one thing that seemingly wouldn't make a difference but has well i'm very glad to hear that that's probably a good place to wrap things up this week yeah no i think you've got <laughs> imagine if i was you i'd be itching to get started on some actual like write some code now and yeah yeah i do in the, in the zone. i've been yeah so another good week <laughs> oh brilliant yeah there's up, ups and downs aren't there always yeah yeah even if you're out there and you haven't done much coding this week turn us off now after we've finished and get onto your computer and write some code and be sure to subscribe so that you know you can find us again in your podcatcher of choice when you've finished some excellent coding and you need some more inspiration and if in the process of that coding you hit some obstacles and you have some existential worries or woes tell us let us know um and maybe even propose a question that we might get around to asking. We would love to be able to answer some of your questions as well. But we are thinking of of doing some lightning rounds as well, um, like sort of special one-offs 
there's a lot of things that aren't worth an entire episode so we're going to like bunch a whole load of them together and just do a blast through some stuff so that's be great well we'll catch you next time yeah thanks a lot for listening bye Tara. <laughs> i like that we waved <laughs> yeah i think we do every time don't we <laughs>